am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The religious leaders who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The religious leaders who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, as we consider this challenging text, we as always pray for insight into who you are and into who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's great to see you all today. Some of you, again, for the second time, because some of you were here at 9 a.m. And great to see all of our Zoomers with us this morning. For those who have been around Avon Hope, you know we are in the midst of our spring series, our annual spring series for the life of the world, where we are reflecting on the implications of the resurrection. Just a couple of weeks ago, many of us gathered together in Central Park where we celebrated the resurrection. And so the weeks after, we've got a wrestle with what it means to, to live with a resurrected Jesus, and today we go to our reading in John chapter 10, where Jesus introduces this illustration that he is a, like a shepherd, and those who choose to follow him are like uh, sheep. And so, being someone who is not very familiar with the shepherd-sheep relationship, I've lived in cities for most of my life, and, and in uh, New York for 15 years, we have Sheep's Meadow, and I heard they were going to bring sheep to sheep, Sheep's Meadow. Is that happening? Does anyone know? Anyway, they used to be there, and they were going to bring them back. Anyway, that's literally my uh, relationship with sheep, is Sheep's Meadow in Central Park, and I haven't seen any sheep there, so I know very little about sheep. So as I was thinking about this illustration of Jesus, that he is the shepherd, and, and, uh, and the fo his followers are sheep, I, I found out I got to know more about, uh, I got to know more about sheep. So I did what anyone does when they want to learn about things. I went to the internets and I uh, look, looked up sheep. So some fascinating insights from sheep101.info. That is today's website, sheep101.info. So sheep are uh, a prey species, meaning other animals like to eat them. 
<laughs> they don't eat other, other animals like to eat them. And so this leads to some, some behavior that is relevant to being a sheep. Sheep flock together. So if you have a, have a, a prey that is going to be after you, what you do as a sheep is that you come together and there is power in numbers and being together. So being together protects them. So that's top of the list thing that you need to know if you're going to, if you're going to go and become a shepherd. Any shepherds here? We, maybe we should just clarify that. Any shepherds here? Okay, Zoom. You have a shepherd. You're a shepherd. Raise your hand. Who knows? I mean, we're on Zoom now. You can be anywhere. Somebody could be in sheep herding country, and they could be on today. Anyway, okay. So sheep flock together. They're really great at following a leader. They're very social animals. The sheep senses. They have uh, all the senses that you would expect. Incredible sight. So I learned here at sheep101.info that if you want to sneak up on a sheep, it's not easy. You have to sneak around the back of the sheep, and then when you grab a hold of it, if you get a hold of it, it will like submit to you, but getting a hold of it is the tricky part. So if you want to sheep up, sneak up on a sheep, say that 10 times, sneak up on a sheep, uh, you want to sneak up from behind and grab, whoop. okay, uh, so great sight, incredible hearing, like they can distinguish uh, between different sounds, uh, smell, touch, they got the whole characteristic. And then of course they're known for their, their wool. So this is sheep 101. So, okay, so that's a little bit about sheep. I'm sure this afternoon that you are gonna shun the warm weather. You're gonna go home, you're gonna study sheep behavior. That's what I would do this afternoon. You guys, everybody okay? Are we all with? You're confused. Bear with me. Okay, anyway, sheep 101. Okay, so that's sheep. So then there's the, the, the shepherd. Like, what does it mean to be a shepherd? Jesus is referring to him, himself as a shepherd. Well, in the text today, it, he articulates a few of those things. Like, a shepherd uh, protects the sheep. That's one of the, the jobs of a shepherd, especially a shepherd in the first century. Your job, you didn't have fences. Your job was to go out and make sure the sheep are safe, to protect them. You know that this is not the only place where Jesus refers to himself as a shepherd. There's that famous story where uh, he, or parable, where he talks about the 99 sheep that come into the pen at night from the open fields, and one is left out, and the, the shepherd goes out, and he's referring to himself and goes out and finds the sheep. Well, this is one of the jobs of the, the shepherd. The shepherd also has authority over the sheep. So he's a good leader, takes care of the sheep, and the sheep flourish in his community. Uh, Jesus assures that a good shepherd knows his sheep. He can tell when one of them is missing. He knows, he knows that the, the one is missing from the 99. So Jesus assures that he knows his sheep. He knows who are supposed to be following him. And he is in fully in charge because he has been given full authority. These are the things that Jesus wants us to know about his shepherding techniques when it comes to his relationship with those who choose to be followers of him. All authority on heaven and earth, Jesus said. He has the authority to be the good shepherd. He gives himself, finally, to the sheep. Like He is willing to sacrifice himself for, to, to protect and take care of the sheep, to give his life if, if he must. He's going to lay himself down for the sheep. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. And so... What does this mean for us? Well, the text is pretty clear that we are called, if you confess to be a follower of Jesus, we are called to be followers of the shepherd, to listen to his voice and go where he tells us to go. Simple. This is a very simple uh, thought today. Jesus 
is the shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He has authority. He's willing to shed his life for, the, for us, the sheep. And we, if you confess faith in Jesus, are invited to follow him. And so, follow him. We could end there. But you know the problem is that's easier said than done. Being a good uh, sheep is, is actually challenging. We're not very good at it. And so today we want to wrestle with that question, uh, why or what gets in the way of us following the good shepherd and being a good sheep? Why is it so difficult? Like the, the, the idea is easy. Jesus is a faithful and loving shepherd. Follow him, listen to his voice, but we're not always very good at that. So what things get in the way of us being good sheep? You know, I like three, the number three, so I've got three responses. I'm sure you could come up with more, but here are my three. The first one, we get distracted with competing voices or noises, right? So Jesus says the sheep, <laughs> they, they know his voice and they follow him, but we get distracted very easily by other voices, whether it's you know, things that are happening in our social sphere, Maybe it's family members who are incredibly influential on us. Maybe it's friends who are influential. Maybe it's what's going on in this broken world and we start you know, hearing and listening to all the craziness happening and it can be overwhelming to us. I mean, by the way, that is a de definitely an attribute of sheep, that their hearing is very sensitive, but it also means that they get incredibly nervous or scared of, of lots of cacophony, lots of loud sounds and things happening. So the shepherd's voice gets drowned out by the various other sounds that are going on in the world, and we, we're the same way. We, we have a difficult time following as good sheep because there are so many other voices that we are influenced and, and listen to, again, whether it's family or friends or social circles or whatever, and these are competing voices to the voice of the good shepherd who is calling us to follow him. So that gets in the way of us doing that, to following Secondly, we separate from the herd. Sometimes we find ourselves on our own. Whether we intend to do that or, or not, uh, we get out on our own, and when you're on your own, that's not a good place to be as a sheep, as a prey animal. If you're an animal that other animals are looking to eat, you don't want to be on your own, and yet we find ourselves, or we, sometimes we put ourselves in situations where we are completely on our own. Sheep were designed to flock together, and we are communal beings designed to function together. I know we have introverts and we have extroverts and we get energy, some of us by being ourselves, some of us by being with other people, but all of us are designed at some level to live in community together. And when we get out there on our own, we are in dangerous territory. And unfortunately, unfortunately, in spiritual matters, there has been a long history of promoting the idea that spirituality primarily happens when you're alone. And Christians have contributed to this idea that you're really spiritual when you're at home reading your Bible by yourself or you're praying in your, in your, in your prayer place all by yourself. But that's, that's, there's a time for that. Jesus affirmed that there is a time for your personal spiritual development, right, all by yourself. But we are designed to be communal people. God designed us in community, Father, Son, Spirit. He's always existed, God himself, in community and made us to exist in community as well. And this is why Jesus invented the idea of the church, that we are to exist in community. It's Jesus' flock. And when we separate ourselves or get separated from the flock, we are in dangerous territory. 
And so, yes, there's a time for personal spiritual growth and development, your personal prayer time, but if you're not existing in community, you're in danger. We're designed to be in community. No wonder the, the Apostle Paul said, let's consider how we can spur each other on and not give up being together. Paul was concerned about the same thing that Jesus was concerned about. When we get out all on our own, we are in dangerous territory. We are designed to be together, and so we're to come and exist and exist in community. Now, Advent Hope, we've been talking about existing in community for a long time, but over these last two years, we've been talking about it in a very particular way because we have to figure out what it means to exist in a Christian community as a flock of Jesus when we're not all in the same place. So we have a great group here in person. We have a great group uh, online on Zoom with us. And we're all functioning together in community. We have some people who are in community in the Avon Hope community that some of us have never met before because we're now a community that's all over the country and all over the world. And so we have to reconcile with what that means. How do you exist as a community when you're not all in the same place? We're still wrestling with that. And so here we are. We got a great group on a Zoom. On Zoom, we have a great group in, in in person. But we want to take to heart what Paul says and what Jesus says. We, we are designed to be together. And when we're out there on our own, uh, we are in uh, completely alone. We are in dangerous uh, territory. We need to exist together. And finally, we have a a difficult time existing as faithful, protected sheep under the good shepherd when we follow the wrong leader. We follow the wrong leader, someone who's going in a way that is actually not helpful but harmful for us. So there's a story that took place in Turkey in 2006 where uh, 400 sheep died. Okay, so we already talked about that they exist in community and they like to be together, but they also have one challenging problem that can sometimes lead to good things but sometimes lead to bad things. So they go to the edge of a precipice, okay, and uh, the lead sheep decides to jump over the precipice. Unfortunately, impossible. It's way too big for the sheep to jump over. So first one jumps over, you know what happens. All, one after the other, whoo, into the crevice, all dead. Terrible story. That's 2006 in eastern Tur Turkey, apparently among shepherds, a very famous story. And for good reason. When you're following the wrong leader, or one who doesn't know where he's going, and you get to the precipice, and he jumps in, the danger is that we end up following right along, and all of us end up in the precipice. And so what inhibits us from being in line with the Good Shepherd and being part of the Good Shepherd community when we get stuck following the wrong leader and end up finding ourselves in a giant uh, precipice. And so with all of these uh, challenges to being good sheep and to be, uh, being a, a good herd together, uh, what hope do we have? How do we actually exist as a community and how, how do we actually exist as uh, followers of Jesus who are listening to his voice and following his lead, not the lead of someone else? Well, Jesus himself modeled this, of course. Jesus uh, was a follower. We're told that uh, Jesus followed. He didn't just do what he wanted to do. He followed what his father invited him to follow. follow. 
Jesus says in John chapter 5, Truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father do, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. See, even Jesus was not out on his own. Jesus wasn't doing his loner thing. He, he, he existed in community, by the way, Father, Son, and Spirit, but he immediately, as soon as his ministry started, he brought together other people. He lived for three and a half years with the, the disciples. He existed in community. And then he said, he's submissive. He's not just doing what he wants to do. He's following the Father's plan. And so we can take heart that Jesus has done what's very difficult for us to do. He was submissive. He followed the, the, the Father. And so if we are, are concerned about our own ability to be the kind of sheep that God is, the being, kind, the being the kind of followers that God is calling us to be, we can take heart that Jesus has gone before us. And because Jesus has gone before us, we have hope that we can become the kind of followers that Jesus is longing for us to be. Followers that are connected to his community, that are growing together, that when they hear his voice, know to follow him. This is the desire of Jesus' heart for us. And many of us, it's the desire of our own heart. We want to be followers of Jesus, but we let these other things get in our way, or we have other leaders that we get influenced by, or we separate ourselves from the, from the herd, the church community, and that does destruction on our life. But we can take heart that because Jesus has done for us what we find difficult or impossible to do for ourselves as we confess faith in him, we can be transformed and changed and become the kind of followers that he's longing for us to be and that many of us are longing to be. Through the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, God can help us to be the kind of sheep and the kind of herd that is going to flourish in this broken world. And we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to get us through because what Jesus is calling us into, while intriguing and ultimately thrilling, has its challenges. Consider this. This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will find it. It's nice to think of ourselves as, as, as sheep following a loving shepherd. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 goes a little further and says, you know, if you're going to follow me, it's not all going to be roses and sunshine. <laughs> there are going to be challenges ahead. In fact, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross, and there are going to be implications for that. It means that there could be suffering, and certainly there are going to be challenges ahead. But if we know the voice of the shepherd, and if we're confident that he's done everything for us to take care of us, despite the challenges and despite the call to selflessness, as we confess faith in Jesus, we can take heart that he's going to take care of us. And so, I don't know what's happening in your uh, world right now. We know the world around us is broken. We know you're broken, I'm broken, we're all broken. But today we can take heart that we have a good shepherd, one who gave his life for us, and one who is inviting us to be a part of his family and calling us into community with him. But then doesn't just invite us into that community. 
promises to give us power to live in that community, to be faithful witnesses to him and to each other, and to live as Christians, as followers of him in his community, despite what may come, the challenges that may come. And so as we confess faith today, we have the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. You know, God is really into working in us, giving us power that we don't have ourselves. He wants to do that. He wants us to be the people that we cannot be on our own. And he doesn't just tell us, right? There are so many theological perspectives in the world and philosophies in the world that tell you how to live a good life, how to be a good person, how to do the right thing. But none of them give us the power See, we're lacking power. For most of us, we're not just lacking knowledge. We're lacking the power to actually get the job done. We know what we should be doing. But actually doing it is difficult. And so the call of Jesus is not just a call to come and do. It's a call to come, be transformed, and be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to help us to do that which we cannot do. Now, God is a God of consent. That means he doesn't force himself on us, right? He, 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 sometimes he waits for us. So many examples in the Bible of God waiting, God waiting. And so today, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, don't make God wait. Let's confess faith, allow God's spirit to work in our hearts and help us to follow him as the good shepherd. Now, there are many ways to confess faith. I have a confession of faith that we actually developed together here as a community. Over the years, it's transformed and changed, and you can come up with your own confession on your own, but some of us have found, found this incredibly helpful. Again, thinking of the God who is a God of consent, doesn't force himself on us, <laughs> but is ready to act as we open ourselves to him. And so here's an example of confession of faith. I'm going to read it, and then for those who would like to respond after me, I'll read it again a second time, and you can respond. This is a simple confession, something you can say every day, because we're told when we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, God is able to work within us. I believe in the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and I want the Holy Spirit to work within me. That's a confession of faith. Listen, if you're trying to figure out your own spirituality, and you're like, what should I do? Should I start reading the Bible? Should I start praying? Should I start going to a class? All of those things are good. But the very first starting point is to confess faith. And in the, if you confess faith with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. That's the promise of the Bible. And so a simple confession like this each and every morning, that's how God is enabled. He's a God of consent, often waiting for us, not going to force themselves. But once we invite him in, he can do things in, in our experience that we can never do for ourselves. So for those comfortable you can repeat after me. I believe in the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want the Holy Spirit to work within me. May God do in you what you cannot do for yourself today.